This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Well, congratulations. I don't know if you know this, but you made it past what they call quitting day. <laughs> no, they've done stats on this, and the data has shown that the most likely time for people to give up on their New Year's resolutions is the second Friday in January, which was this past Friday. So you showed up at church. Congrats to you. You are not a quitter. But you're not a quitter, though, right? Right. It's because that would have been a good time for you to go, yes, Alan, I am not a quitter. You know, it's, uh, we talk about making New Year's resolutions, and, and those of us who've done it for a long time some, almost have gotten jaundiced at it. It's like, uh, you know, we're going to make a, a New Year's resolutions, and, and sometimes we have good goals, and, and we have good, good plans or processes that we're going to put in place, and then we just, we just seem to hit a wall. And we're good for a couple of days, and then all of a sudden we quit. I won't ask for a show of hands, but that's happened to almost all of us. And so, like, what's happened? Well, here's one of the challenges. This is what I want to talk about this morning. We, we fix our goals and our, our plans. Those are good. But oftentimes, we haven't dealt with the, the core beliefs of who we are that cause some of the, the behavior challenges that we need to change. So, so, for example, if you're, if you're, man, you got a goal to do something, but deep down you believe you're a quitter, and you're just really a quitter, and you can't stick with anything, it's going, you're going to sabotage your own goals. You're going to sabotage your progress. It's like trying to drive with your foot on the accelerator and the brake at the same time. And so we're going to, we're going to talk about that this morning. I'm, I want to talk about identity change. And, and this is, is taken from a book, and I recently read a book. I've, I've been giving it out. I've been been sharing it with people, and I, I rarely recommend secular books to the church. I'm recommending this one. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear, and it really has, has brought some things. And so I, you say, well, Alan, should you be talking about secular stuff? Yeah, because I, I can learn principles from there. I can apply spiritual truth to it, and you got a powerful combination right there. And so what we're, what we're dealing with is oftentimes people have given up on the idea of change. I can't change. But if you've been thinking change is impossible, let's rethink that this morning and begin to think, no, I, I can actually begin to do this. Change is not the impossible dream. Here are three layers of change. Outcome. An outcome is like lose the weight, read the New Testament, uh, get fit. That's, that's the outcome. That's where a lot of people start. That's helpful for goals. Then there's processes. Process is, is the diet, is the Project 345, is the exercise, going to the gym, the exercise plan. And that is the process. And oftentimes in that process, we're changing, uh, we're changing not beliefs, we're changing behaviors and, and habits and systems. And uh, that's oftentimes where the challenge is. There was a couple, they were in their 80s, they lived in really great health the last 10 years because the wife had been insistent that they eat gluten-free and low-carb and low-fat and low-taste, and they had done that for, uh, for about 10 years, and they're in good health. And they died in a car crash. Both of them go to heaven. They're holding hands in heaven. They're walking around with Peter. Peter's giving them a tour. He takes them to their mansion. It's beautiful. I mean, everything they've ever wanted, they walk out in the back, and there's this infinity pool that looks over a golf course, and the old man looks at Peter. He said, how much? How much is this going to run me? Peter said, it's heaven. It's free. He said, and then Peter said, you're a golfer, right? He said, let me tell you about this golf course. You see this golf course now? It's going to change next week. And every week there's a new course that mirrors some of the very best courses. So you get to play Pebble Beach and Augusta, except it's better. And the old man said, well, what are the green fees? 
Peter said, there's no green fees. This is heaven. It's free. He said, let me show you the clubhouse. So they go to this beautiful clubhouse, and, and they walk in, and there's a, a buffet, and it's got every kind of food. Oh, it just, it's amazing. And uh, the old man looks at Peter and goes, how much for the buffet? Peter looks at him and said, you're not getting this. It's heaven. It's free. And the guy kind of goes, where's the low-fat section? Peter, <laughs> Peter said, oh, that's the best news. You can, up here, you can eat as much as you want, and it won't cause any cholesterol problems, and it won't call, you won't get fat, and you won't get sick. He thinks he's smiling, and the guy throws his hat down, and he stomps on it, and he walks off, and he's muttering, embarrassed his wife. She said, I'll go talk to him. And he, she goes over, she says, honey, and he turns around, he points at her and said, you, if it wasn't for you and that low-fat, gluten-free stuff, we could have been here 10 years ago. <laughs> It's all about the process. <laughs> so we got outcome, we have process. Here's the third we have. That's an identity-based change. Changing our outcomes, changing our process. But how about changing our identity? You say, well, I don't have an identity. Yeah, you've got an identity. Just listen to people talk and they'll tell you about themselves. Here's, oh, I'm analytical. Oh, I'm creative. I'm a procrastinator. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm shy. I'm fearful. I'm a problem solver. People, our identity is, what do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about you? This is who you are. And so oftentimes, we're trying to change the outcomes, but we haven't worked with the identity. So for example, we're going to do a change. And here's the, here's the deal. Okay, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I've got a reunion coming up this year, and I'm going to lose 20 pounds. And that's, a, that's the goal. But if we don't ch change the identity behind it, then oftentimes you'll, you'll get into it, but then you kind of throw up your hands and go, you know, I can't stick with anything. And so our outcomes are things like, I, I want to I lose the weight. I want to get fit. I, I want to become, a, I, I want to read the New Testament. I want to read Project 345. And we keep focusing on the outcomes and what we need to change is how do we see ourselves? How's the identity behind that? It's like, for example, someone who wants to quit smoking. And so someone offers them a cigarette. One person says, no, I'm trying to quit. And that means, you know, I, this, is, this is the behavior I'm focusing on. The other person says, no, I'm not a smoker. Well, that's a shift. Can you see where that shift? That shifts from, no, this is what I believe about myself. I'm not a smoker. And so this is going to give me the ability to, to have those behaviors that begin to line up with that. So instead of saying, well, you know, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Project 345. I'm, I'm, I'm going to grit it out. I'm going to do it this year. What if you change that and said, I'm a Bible reader? What if instead of saying, you know, I, I just, man, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be grateful. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to be, I'm going to say thank you more. What if you begin to say, I'm a grateful person. I'm just a grateful person. Now here's where we have an advantage as a believer. As a believer, if you have a connection with God, you have a built-in advantage on identity because God has already said some things about you and what he said about you is really, really good. And what we find is our spiritual identity is the strongest identity we have. Now, someone who really exhibited that was a guy by the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, when he hit the scene right before Jesus, he was only born a few months before Jesus, when he came on the scene, 
He's out there in the wilderness preaching and people are going to him. There's a revival. There's all these things going on. And the Jews sent some people to him. They said, they sent leaders going, you need to tell us who you are. They said, are you the Messiah? And he said, no. They said, are you Elijah? They thought Elijah was going to raise from the dead. He said, no. He said, are you the prophet? He said, no. <laughs> well, they got frustrated. <laughs> and so they asked him this, here in this verse here. And John, finally, they said, well, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied, in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. You know what John did? John had found a scripture, and that scripture had revealed to him who he was. And John just gave him what the scripture said. He could have said, I don't know about y'all, I'm the man. I'm the hottest thing that's hit Israel in a long time. I'm the, I'm the best thing going. I'm, I'm what's happening from a religious standpoint. He could have said a lot of things. He could have called himself the prophet. He could have called himself the revision of Elijah. And technically he was, but he said, no, here's what I am. I am, and he quoted a Bible verse. You see, guys, the Bible doesn't just tell, tell us who God is. It doesn't just tell us about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It will also tell you who you are. And when you begin to read the Bible, if you made a decision for Christ, you begin to read the Bible, you begin to understand, God, you're saying some awesome things about me. And what God says about you is really, really good. And so then we can begin to shift our identity. And, and then that becomes the basis for all of our other identity changes. In Mumbai, India, nine years ago, they had a, had a ceremony. They lined all these little girls up, these beautiful little girls, eight, nine, ten years old. They had their dresses on. They had barrettes in their hair, bows. And it was a, a renaming ceremony. See, these girls, had all, all 285 of them, had been named either Nakusha or Nakushi. It was a Hindi word for unwanted. They would name them because in that culture, in that culture, boys were considered so much more valuable than girls that they often aborted girls or abandoned girls or named them unwanted. What a horrible name to go through. And so the, whatever agency was behind this is trying to change the identity of these little girls who had to go through their life calling themselves unwanted, unwanted. So they got to, they got to pick a new name. Some picked the name chosen. Some chose beautiful. Some, some chose prosperous. One chose a name that meant very tough. <laughs> she's she's going to be a delight later on. But anyway, that's... It's, but can you see, one, one of the little girls said, she said, I'm so glad to go back to school because when I go back to school, my teacher and my classmates will call me by my new name. They won't call her unwanted anymore. I'm thinking, what a wonderful, wonderful thing. Listen, if you've made Jesus your Lord, the Bible said that you're not only going to heaven when you die. Wonderful, that's great, that's wonderful. But you also have become a new creation in him. And if you're a new creation, you've got a brand new name. No longer are you for, no, uh, forsaken, you're chosen. No longer are you unforgiven, you are forgiven. No longer are you rejected, you're accepted. God's given you a new name. And you can begin to say, God, I've got, I've got a wonderful new name in you. I've got a wonderful identity. You see, what God calls us and what we call ourselves is often two very different things. There's a great story in the Bible of a man named Gideon who gives us a wonderful contrast. And Gideon is, uh, he's in Israel. Israel had turned its back on God every time they do that, trouble happens. And a group of people came in called the Midianites. They'd steal all their stuff. They, they would take all their crops. 
they oppress the land for seven years. And so the people cry out to God. God sends them an answer. He sent it in the form of Gideon. But Gideon is not the type of guy that you think, this is our answer? Let's look at what happens here. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terrible tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abazarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I'll be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Contrasting identities. When the angel comes to Gideon, he's not, he's not trying to get an army up to go fight the Midianites. He's hiding from the Midianites. And the angel comes to him. The angel has some words for him. But then what Gideon's response to the angel is you begin to see his identity versus what God said about him. His identity, he's kind of negative. He's like, hey, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And Gideon doesn't go, oh, that's awesome. That's great. He goes, oh, my Lord. If the Lord's, you, you can hear the whine as well, oh, my Lord. If the Lord's with us, why are we having all these problems? He, he was negative. And then, and then the angel said, well, you know, you're going to be a deliverer and God's going to use you. He called him a mighty man of valor. That means a strong, influential leader. That's not what Gideon, that's not what Gideon thought. Gideon said, no, I'm, I'm ineffective. I'm, I got a weak family. I'm, I'm the weakest one in the family. And, and everything that he said was negative. In fact, he said he had a victim's mentality. He said, you know, the reason we're in this trouble is because God abandoned us. That's the only reason we're here. He's negative. He's a victim. He said, I got a weak family. I'm the weakest in my family. So you're seeing nothing but a low identity. And then you hear what God said. God said, you are, hey, get in. You're empowered. <laughs> empowered, yeah. The Lord said, I'll be with you. Well, if God's with us, we're empowered. And then he said, hey, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor, a strong, influential warrior. And that's, that's, he's not looking like a strong, influential warrior. But how many of you know that God sees more in Gideon than Gideon saw in Gideon? And God sees more in you than you see in you. And then he, he said, and by the way, you're a rescuer and a deliverer. Twice he said, you're going to deliver Israel. So you have Gideon's identity and you have God's identity of Gideon. And it's a powerful thing. Now, Gideon, is, I'm going to give you the quick synopsis of this chapter in, in just a few moments. I've always looked at Gideon and, and thought, gosh, this guy is such a whiner. And, and then when Gideon is asked to do stuff, he does it. But like, for example, the Lord said, uh, Gideon, you need to tear down that altar to Baal, the foreign god that's in your daddy's backyard. You know, he's got it right beside the gazebo and the barbecue pit. You need to get rid of that altar. And Gideon did it, but he did it at night because he was afraid. And you're thinking, uh, come on, Gideon. But then as you begin to realize, you know what Gideon's doing? At least he did it. He made a step. And then he, he, he brings the army in. 32,000 men show up. 
And Gideon, so Gideon, he makes another step. Now he's doubting the whole time. God, if it's you, you'll give me a sign. God, if it's really you, give me a sign. But he keeps making steps. And what's he making steps toward? He's making steps toward what God called him, a mighty warrior, a deliverer. He keeps making steps. God says, you got too many. 32,000 is too many to go against these Midianites. Send everyone who's afraid home. And you're already outnumbered. So, you know, hey, okay, <clears throat> any of you guys who are afraid, go home. 22,000 left. That would have bothered me. <laughs> but Gideon didn't go, no, 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 no. He let him go. And then he's got 10,000. Now he's really outnumbered. And God said, you still have too many. And he called them down to 300. <laughs> so Gideon's got 300. But what's he doing? He keeps making small steps and these small steps validate what God had said about him. He keeps getting closer to what God said he was. And finally at the end, when Gideon, God keeps reaffirming Gideon, keeps showing Gideon, and finally Gideon stands up before the army. He said, rise, get going, for God has delivered this army of Midian into our hand. And with 300 men, he defeated the Midianites and became a leader in Israel for years. He was a good one. But he, the way he saw himself and the way God saw him were different, but he kept making steps toward that. This morning, as I'm talking to you, you're, you're looking at your life and going, man, I, what, what do I want to do? Well, let's talk about instead of changing all the behaviors, let's talk about changing your identity. Now, what do you say about yourself? All of us have beliefs that we have about ourselves. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. We have beliefs. And you hear people say, well, you know, I, I'm not the spiritual one. I, my wife, she's the spiritual one. I'm not a prayer. Uh, I'm not the, and, or you hear people say, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fighter. I'm, a, I'm resilient. What do you say about yourself? Because life is asking. What do you say about yourself? And here's the beautiful thing is, we have the freedom to choose our identity and who we want to become. So in other words, you're not stuck. You ever hear people say, well, you know, Alan, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You ever, anybody ever heard that? Maybe you've been quoting that for years like it's a Bible verse. <laughs> it's not a Bible verse. That, that never came from the lips of Jesus. And I got some good news for you. One, you're not an old dog. You're a new creation in Christ. Number two, you actually can teach old dogs new tricks. They've blown that myth out the door. Mythbusters broke it. So you can't, you can't hold on to that anymore. We're not an old, I can't just change my identity. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can. You can begin to say, you know what? This is the type of person that I want to become. A number of years ago, about 26 years ago, when Joe was diagnosed with a chronic acute pancreatitis, we knew we were in for a fight. This was gonna be a fight. Doctors couldn't do much for her. Her situation could have become fatal. We had, we had three smaller children still needed their mom. And Joy knew she was in for a fight, but Joy had a problem. And Joy went to the Lord. She talked to the Lord about this. It was a very serious conversation. She said, Lord, she said, I have never won at anything. I've always quit. I've always been a quitter. I've always given up on stuff. I, she said, Lord, I, I've, got, I've got no track record at all. I, I've never been a winner. She said, and a and thought just became, a thought came up in her. Maybe this time you don't have to quit. That one thought, maybe this time I don't have to quit. 
And Joy began to, she grabbed a hold of that and added, maybe this time I don't have to quit. And she held on to that. And she began to take the small steps. She would get up in the morning. And boy, she got so diligent. And she would get up in the morning. She had her scripture she would go over. She would pray. I, I would have to help her sometimes physically get out of bed. But she wasn't going to quit. So the good news is, let's fast forward. 26 years later, I got a wife who's healed and strong. And thank you, Jesus, by the grace of God, she's well. But something has changed in Joy. And Joy was writing an email to someone the other day. She said, I got to tell you one thing about me. She said, I have no quitting since. Joy has gone from being a, I've always been a quitter, to someone today who's like, I don't quit anything. And I can tell you that. Once that girl got her, she gets her, she gets her little paws on something, you just give up because it's just over with. She will latch on, whether she latches on in prayer or latches on anything else. She, she just doesn't quit. But what, what if you begin to change? What if you begin to say, you know what? I'm going to identify with being a, a, a strong person. I'm going to identify with being a godly person. I'm going to identify with being a prayerful person. My, one of my goals this year is that I'm, I'm going to become a man of prayer. Now, if that concerns you, you're like, whoa, whoa, Alan, you're the pastor. You haven't been praying? No, I have been praying. But, but I want to take it up a notch. So instead of saying, well, you know, I need to pray more, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm a man of prayer. I'm a man of prayer. What if you begin to call yourself, I'm a godly person. I'm a grateful person. You can choose the identity that you want. There's no one stopping you. Well, say, well, it's all fixed and, and it's the way it was from birth and before you're five years old. Who said that? Not, not the Lord that made you and recreated you. He's giving you the freedom. You choose what you want to be. You want to change? Change. You want to become a healthy person? Change. You become a disciplined person? You buy into that. Then here's the next thing. You start taking small steps that validate exactly what you want to be. There was a lady who said she wanted to lose some weight. And so she began to say, I'm going to identify as being a healthy person. And so every time she would face a decision, she would say, what would a healthy person do? Would a healthy person walk or take the cab? Would a healthy person eat a burrito or a salad? Would a, would a healthy person go to the gym or take a nap? And she began to make decisions, small steps, small steps, and she lost 100 pounds. Now, if, those of you who have, who have worked on losing weight, losing 100 pounds is tough. And if you just start off with, I got to lose 100 pounds, I got to lose 100 pounds, she backed it up and said, I am a healthy person. What's a healthy person going to do? What's a Bible reading person going to do? What's a, what's a fit person going to do? Listen, you say, I, I haven't been fit in years. You put your exercise clothes on and you run to the mailbox and back. You're thinking it's only 50 feet, but it's a step. Don't, don't listen. And every step you make is a vote for your brand new identity. When you get up early and you say, I'm going to read my Bible and you read one verse. It's, if at least you read one verse, don't knock small beginnings. Be willing to take small steps. And if you take small steps, they can get to be bigger steps. But start somewhere. Go, go, this is who I am. And here's the beautiful thing about this. The beautiful thing is you can find out what God says about you and you can begin to agree with that. See, most people I know have a, have a little bit of a Gideon complex and their, their, their identity is based on weakness, failure, the past, family, all the stuff that they've done wrong. And listen, I'm not taking away from your experience, but I am taking away from your experience's ability to fix your future. 
You can find out what God says about you because what he says about you is spiritual reality and it is truth and it is higher and it can absolutely change you. You can, you can begin to agree with God. So you, the, the, the scriptures will tell you who you are. In Ephesians, look at this verse here in Ephesians. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Don't call yourself a failure. Don't call yourself, I can't do this. You can begin to call yourself, I'm God's handiwork. God created me in Christ Jesus, not for bad things. He created me for good things. And now I can begin to identify with what God says about me. And there's some powerful truths there. In fact, every week, every day this week, I'm going to be sharing on our Instagram and Facebook account, I'm going to be sharing a scripture that you can begin to identify with. Because God says some great things about you. I have two identifications in my wallet. Both are legal. One is my license. And they took the picture, I think it was about 12 or 15 years ago. It was good then. It was really good now. <laughs> and then I had one they did a few years ago, and it was for my concealed carry license. And some of you remember when I had a problem with my eye, and I had a, an eye that bulged. It shows up horrible in this photograph. I look hideous. When someone asks me, Mr. Clayton, do you have any form of identification? Which one do you think I show them? <laughs> I don't even know I pull the good one out. And you show, you show the good one. I don't pull out the hideous one and go, ooh, uh, I pull out the good one. Now they're looking now going, oh, okay, I think that's you. That looks like you. But the deal is I put my best ID forward. When life asks you, when the enemy asks you, when circumstances ask you, who do you say about yourself? Don't pull out the, the old one. Don't pull out the one that's who you used to be. Pull out your new identity in Christ and go, this is who I am. I am exactly who God says I am. I can do exactly what he says I can do. We've got two IDs. Let's use the best one this year. And if you begin to do that, it can help us begin to change the behaviors that we want to change. Would you bow your head for a moment? If you came today and said, Alan, I, I think the biggest thing in my life is I've never identified with Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life. Or I'm just not sure. Or maybe you're like I was. You've been in church and maybe you, you had a relationship with the Lord and you got so far away and you're back in church in January thinking, I need to get a new start. Well, a new start is available to you. We're going to pray. We're not going to ask you to stand or come to the front. We're going to say a prayer. And sitting in your chair today, if you say, Alan, I, man, I, I want that new start. I, I want a, a relationship with the Lord. I, I want to come back to him. Would you pray for me? I'm going to ask you to do one thing, just real quickly. Just slip your hand up across this auditorium and say, Alan, would you pray for me? I, I want to come back to Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Appreciate that. I see it takes courage to do that. Thank you for your courage. Anybody else? Say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, oh, oh, I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd prayed. Listen, you can, you can pray this with us. We're going to pray this out loud. And this is a heart prayer. This is a prayer that connects you with the one who loves you, the one who's got so many good things for you. We're going to pray it with you as a church. So just pray this after us. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me 
and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Father, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Those who have come back to you and those who received you for the very first time who stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you. The wonderful things that you have for them, the wonderful things that they are in Christ. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you. This year is different. We're changing and identifying with who you say we are. And this changes lives, families, relationships. It's a game changer. We thank you for that. Thank you that you have a path for us to make progress. We give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.